Hello, it's Jim Conley, Executive Marketing Manager for Anatomy and Physiology here at McGraw-Hill Education, and I am so excited to be here with Steve Sullivan today. We have the luxury of doing this podcast face-to-face, remotely. Sometimes we'll do that at the studios at 501 Bell Street in Dubuque, Iowa, but we are remote, but in person. Steve, good seeing you. You too. It's great to be here. Knuckles, and Happy New Year, too. Same to you, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's going to be great. So... I think it's appropriate that we have a session here where we talk about anatomy and physiology the second semester. So this is really where I've always seen that the course gets much more difficult. Mm -hmm. There are difficulties you have as an instructor. Certainly students have difficulties, but there are some home runs that get hit and some pleasures that go along with that and some fun moments. So let's have a conversation about all that. What do you say? Sounds great. I love A&P too. All right. So with the physiology... Tell me, what is the most complex thing? Like, why is it so difficult for students? I think with A&P 2, you you get out of the the big memorization chapters like bones and muscles, and uh, and you start getting into the really, really complex physiological processes, uh, sense organs, endocrine system, cardiovascular system. Um, it, it uh, It gets really, really hairy for students. And uh, they have to really kind of apply so many of the of the things they learned in A and P one. For example, in the urinary chapter, they have to apply all of these osmotic gradient um, stuff that they picked up in A and P one in the when they finish up the nervous system and sense organs. For example, they got to apply all the stuff they learned about membrane potential in A and P one. So I think it really gets a little bit tough for students because. They have to apply some of these things that they maybe covered four months ago right. if they're lucky. You know, if they're doing it fall, spring. If they do it spring, fall, now we're talking maybe six months ago. Yeah, so so getting them prepared for AP2 is, is a little bit tough. And especially if they had an instructor who was not quite up to speed or, up, or kind of up to par with other instructors for AP1, then you got a little extra work to do because they're not quite prepared. Yeah, that's the thing I see a lot where a student can take it with one professor and like you mentioned, it could be, you know, six months ago mm-hmm. and now they could take it with someone totally different, different standards, different teaching style, different expectations. Yeah. I, but that would be pretty challenging. It is. And I'll, I'll, I'll just, just to throw this out there real quick, that's one been a great application of Learn Smart Prep for me um, is when I have AMP2 and I have students who had someone else for AMP1 who you know, let's face it, there's sometimes there's some easy A people out there and right. the students really don't come quite prepared. Um, I'll hit them with some Learn Smart Prep modules to bring them up to speed and, and get them where they need to be for AMP2. That's been great. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, Learn Smart Prep is a product that we publish here at McGraw-Hill Education. Very effective tool, one that we're very proud of. We continuously improve that. So if you're in the audience, you want to pass along any suggestions for improvement, certainly get those on to us. We really appreciate that. But Steve, for the audience, is there a best practice? Like how much do you assign? So you go into AMP2, how much do you assign from Learn Smart Prep? Um, usually what I'll do is I'll um, – I'll have everybody start to to go through some of the basic there's a there's a general biology module right like cell biology yep review cell biology I want them to really get back up to speed on resting membrane potential and changes in membrane potentials um, things like that and then um, and and that'll really kind of help bring them up to speed with that if there's and then and then the rest of it is usually kind of uh, case by case uh, students will students will often come to me at the beginning of the semester and say look 
I barely squeaked my A&P one. I'm a little nervous. After the first day, I see how much, how deep you're going to be getting into this. I'm a little nervous. And I'll sit down with them and say, you know, what are your biggest concerns? And then I'll, I'll give them, um, like, I'll tailor it for them. Right. So I'll do a little, little case by case on that. Because I don't want to waste everybody's time if they don't really need it. Well, what's interesting, Steve and I were talking earlier about the AMP2 sequence and we we're modeling like if Steve, if I were an average student in your course, you cover what chapter first? I start with, with 14, the brain. The brain. And yeah. It's not always a sequence for everybody, but I asked Steve, what would I struggle with the most? And you said? Membrane potential. Right. Yeah. Membrane potential, remembering all that stuff, nerve, like nerve signal propagation, membrane potential, things like that. That's when... Students are, are – they blank a little bit on that in the beginning of the AP2. And when you look at the second term, what are the things that you love teaching the most? Uh, you know, I, I really like um, – I really like sense organs, especially uh, special senses. The students get a huge kick out of the way eyes work and the way ears work and how um, I, go, I go pretty deep into the physics of light and sound to let them – so that help them understand um, – how these organs do what they do, and I think they find that pretty cool. Um, I'm often surprised at what they don't already know about how light and sound works. That they don't travel at the same speed, and that um, and that uh, when they're looking at the sun, they don't realize they're looking at where the sun was eight eight minutes ago, not exactly where it is now. So, so getting them to realize that what they're really seeing is light not objects, just the light reflecting off of objects or being emitted from objects. So, so um, they, they get a kick out of that, and I, I see a lot of, um, you know, no pun intended, light bulbs go off, and, <laughs> you know, because, because they're like – they come in thinking like hearing and vision, like that stuff's hard. That's complicated, and, and, and they don't expect to fully understand it. And I think when they do, um, you really see kind of the joy in their faces. They're proud of themselves because it's it's tough and and it's something they don't expect. So that's a lot of fun. And the and the um, circulatory system too, um, just because of its clinical significance with the world. You know, thirty thirty plus percent of all people die of some kind of cardiovascular disease. So um, the clinical significance of that, everyone in class either knows someone or has someone close to them who's affected by cardiovascular disease. So um, no one thinks that's not pertinent, right? you know, in, in the class. So I like when you don't have to have, we don't, we don't have to climb the hurdle of why does this apply to me or why do I care about this? It makes things a little bit easier and you get their interest. They're engaged they're self-engaged. I don't have to engage them in that kind of stuff. Right. Well, it's interesting. We got into a debate, at least I did anyway, with uh, one of my colleagues at McGraw-Hill that will go unnamed. I don't, I don't okay. want to incriminate them. But we were talking about the physics content that's in Learn Smart Prep. And the person that I was talking with was arguing that, well, we don't really need to have that in there. Thankfully, we do. Because as you mentioned, when you talk about gradients, mm -hmm. uh, blood flow, just different things like yeah. that, you don't have to be a master of the physics, but you certainly have to know enough about it so that you can understand those right. concepts. Right? And it's important. Uh, there, there's something called Poussey's Law, and it's about the, the, the resistance to flow in a, in a tube, and you can calculate it. And when I show students that formula and work out a couple scenarios and they see how much blood flow goes down with a decrease in diameter, it's not one-to-one. -one. Right. Um, so um, 
that's when they start to see, okay, now I get why this is so dangerous. So I use the physics to, to show them, you know, this is why this is happening. You know? So yeah, the physics is important. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, at least from my perspective, I was trying to represent the examples Mm -hmm. with my colleague. I wasn't as successful as you would have been in explaining that because they were saying to me, well, the physics, it's too scary. It's too difficult. But that being said, when you get to AMP2, that's the name of the game right there, right? Right. It's going to be difficult. Yeah, it, it is. And, and um, if you're doing a metabolism chapter, you're going to talk about work equals force times distance. Right. And power equals force times distance over time. And that's why bench pressing doesn't burn as many calories as running. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, so the, the physics is important. And I think, I think you don't have to be, it's, it's not like you're going to have to Stephen Hawking them to death. Right. You know, you can do basic Newtonian, you know, <laughs> stuff is pretty, is, is enough. Yeah. And I think that was the fear my colleague has. You're going to go too far in that direction. Yeah. But I think the whole key there is just got to get the basics down. Yeah. Um, to really understand it. So you and I were talking about um, with students, there are some good students, good stories, mm-hmm. if you will. There are some unfortunate cases where maybe a student is successful, is not successful, and that's heartbreaking. You and I had a conversation about sometimes it comes down to effort, and that can get you across the line mm-hmm. in terms of passing AB2. But then there are also examples, uh, one that you mentioned about you know the person had tremendous effort but just wasn't there. Yeah, and and that's and that's the hard one because you spend a lot of time, and we do this because we care, and we and we love doing it, and we love reaching students, and and um, you can you you can always see when a student's lack of effort is the reason that they're not passing, and there's only so much you can do about that, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't make them drink, yeah, right. So, um, but then there are the students that you know are doing everything they can and they're still not able to pass an exam. And and it's hard because you want to you want to fix it. Right. And and because that's why you're there and you care no matter how long you've been doing it. So I've been um 16 years now I've been teaching this class and it's uh you know you want to fix it and sometimes you just can't no matter what no matter how good the 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 materials you're using are, no matter how many homework assignments and study tips you're giving them and, and, and tutor sessions and office hours. And, um, you know, there's just sometimes there's barriers you just can't overcome. Right. And you just have to deal with it. It's just, it's just, that's just how it is. So it's a hard, hard course. Yeah. 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 And th- those are the times where I feel um, badly as well, yeah. just on and, the periphery with this. And I also feel the joy that happens when you connect with someone, no pun intended yeah. here with McGraw-Hill, connect with someone. Yeah. But um, when you connect with someone and then all of a sudden they get to the point where they're surviving in a class, they're thriving and they become a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of students, especially um, um, non-traditional students. I'm at the community college uh, outside of Philadelphia and I get a lot of um, non-traditional students who are second career or – Maybe they kind of like fumbled through their first 30 years or so and, right. and, and really didn't know what to do or where they were, who they were. And, um, and now they, they, uh, they, they do know right. and, and they know where they want to be 
and they work hard and they're smart and they, and, and you see them get it. And, um, and man, that's great. And, yeah. and I run into them because in my town there is a hospital and, and I have two young boys. So I know what the ER looks like and, yep. uh, and I know how to get there without using ways. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and I run into former students and I, and, and I see them being successful and I see them being, um, being extremely competent. And I love, I love seeing that. Or I'll just run into them in town, right. um, you know, or in my County and, uh, and see where they are. Like they're getting an MSN from Villanova or they're at Jefferson becoming a nurse practitioner. Um, you know, and, and that's, uh, and that's, that's great. And, and, and um, Really, uh, also a lot of students, not not just nurses, but occupational therapists, physical yep. therapists. I've got a couple students who went on to medical school. Um, so, just to just see their hard work pay off, and um, and uh, it is that that is the reason why we do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we get a lot of students, especially at the community college. We get a lot of students who, um, you know, they're trying to change their lives, and they're trying to change their families' lives, and uh, you know, they're going from. Um, you know, um, a, a job they don't want that doesn't really make enough money to support their family and they're, and they're moving on to a career. And, yeah. and, uh, that is, that is really, really pleasing job for me to have to help them along the way with on that journey. Yeah. We enjoy, you know, on the periphery being part of that as well. Yeah. You guys do um, a tremendous job. So one thing that's fun, I'll share this with you and I know you won't be surprised. You know, my wife, you know, my family mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, one thing I think annoys a lot of my friends is whenever I go to like an ER or a doctor's office, I had a situation about 10 years ago. I had to take a friend to the ER, um, unfortunately, and you know, were in this area and the nurse is, you know, doing the vital signs and all that stuff. And I said, hey, where'd you take your A&P? <laughs> yeah because you know, yeah. i'm all right you know yeah. the, the person i'm there with it wasn't all right and, right and the young lady said oh i took it at washington i'm like oh wow did you have david shear as your professor she's like no i didn't have david shear but i said use the holes book right because that's yeah. where david's from and whatnot and i said oh yeah you must be in good shape because it's an awesome book do you remember what was on the cover just <laughs> <laughs> and they're like i don't remember what's on the cover yeah. of my ap book and i'm like was it the guy like Doing the victory pose. Oh, by the way, I did some moonlighting for that, which I yeah. did, but I always like to say that anyway. But it's just kind of a fun thing. But that's the connection that we all. Yeah, have. It's, I I do that myself times at times too. When I run into somebody and I ask them, or if I a friend of mine from high school posts on Facebook that they're yeah. starting college, I always say, "What are they studying?" You know, and if they if they're going if they're taking A and P, I want to know what they think of their materials and. Yep. Yeah, a long time ago, um, I had the privilege of meeting and working a little bit with Marion Diamond, who unfortunately passed away recently. And uh, I always likened her to E.F. Hutton. If any of you are old enough to know the uh, commercials, when E.F. Hutton speaks, the world listens. Marion was like that. She was an innovator, did awesome research, and um, just had this wonderful tree of people that she taught. And for about five years, it seemed like wherever I would go, I would run into someone who was doing, you know, cutting edge research. It might have been people like Christine Eckel, who's authored, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful things from McGraw Hill and, and elsewhere, um, just in the world. And you'd find that, hey, who was your professor? I was Marion Diamond, and it's just remarkable to think about the brilliance that's in the world, all yeah. right, right alongside of us, and it's just kind of a cool thing. Yeah. 
And I guess be a quick plug to everybody who's listening. Thanks for teaching AP. We really appreciate every single one of you guys and what you do. Um, so, Steve, let's go to one other topic here before we close. Is pattern recognition important for a student? Yeah, I think so. I think that they need to to be able to do that for for a lot of the understanding, a lot of the physiological processes that right. that we teach. Um, so, um, being able to recognize sequences of events and, right. and the patterns that are that are associated with those. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I talked a little bit earlier about the physiology interactives that mm-hmm. we publish here at McGraw-Hill. Um, I know you've used those since we published them. What's the thing about them that you love the most? Uh, but I, I love the, the physiology interactives, the animations, right? So, yeah. so they um, – what I like the most about them is that the students have to – uh, be involved in the workings of that animation. They, it's not a passive view. Right. So they have to drive the animation forward by correctly moving ions where they're going to go or pulling an action potential along the membrane where it's going to be, opening the right ion channels, for example, um, plugging in the correct osmotic gradients. Like They have to be actively engaged in the interactive, in the animation, or the animation doesn't continue on. Right. So um, I, I really like that aspect that where, you know, we've had these animations for decades where the students would just watch it like a movie and, um, and there's nothing for them to do. And it's really easy to get lost in that right. and, and to lose the, the, the elements of what's trying to be taught. So uh, I, like, I like the interactive nature of those animations. Plus the artwork's tremendous. Um, the, the information's accurate. Uh, the... You know, um, it's 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 the right level for my students. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of good things about it, but the but the uh, the interactive nature of it is probably, I think, the most beneficial for my students. Got it. They can't they can't just tune out, right? You know, yeah. And I've even I've used those a lot myself. Created some videos with them just to help people see where they're at. And I've even learned a lot just about some of the the chemistry and then the physiology related to uh, the human body. It's really cool. Yeah. If you had to pick out of the ones that we published so far, your favorite, which one would you say is the one you use the most? I would say that the the muscle contraction one. Yeah. The one that starts with excitation, goes to EC coupling, goes to sliding filament. It actually starts with the neuromuscular junction, then moves on to those things. And <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's that's one of my favorites. I, I really enjoy that one a lot. Um, I I do go pretty deep into muscles in my in my AMP one class. Um, for AMP two, um, I would say that the respiration one is a real good one too. Yeah. Yeah, the respiration one's good. Another thing is all students know about breathing, right? right? So they, there's, there's no student who thinks breathing doesn't apply to me, right? So, exactly. <laughs> so they, they really they, – they do um, get a lot out of the, uh, the respiration one too. And, and being able to see them calculate the volumes that they need to calculate right. and see what happens to pressures when the diaphragm um, contracts and, and relaxes, um, that's another great one. I really enjoyed that one for APT. For MP2, that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, that's one of my favorites too. So that was the first one that we developed. And uh, I remember as we were going through that process, we took some extra time and expense to make sure that we had both inspiration and the expiration, you know, side by side so that Mm -hmm. the student could see how those two relate. 
Um, I personally love, you know, the coverage of the gas laws yeah. and things like that that I think are just, um, you know, for a lay person, somewhat mysterious and difficult. Um, now, do you assign those? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I assign them. So right in Connect, they have um, – you can assign them to – they have to view the animation, but then they have to answer a series of questions, and then there's a little case study. Right. Um, so uh, they they have to really pay close attention to those animations, not only because of the interactive nature, but because they know that it's going to be part of an assignment that they're going to now be quizzed on it, and uh, I want them to be able to understand all that stuff. And then it puts right it goes right into my gradebook, so I yeah. can assign it. It syncs with my Canvas space, goes creates a gradebook column, and easy peasy. It's great. Yeah, but but the other thing about those interactive animations. Um, the, the the overall general purpose of them is is probably their best feature because right. a lot of times in A and P uh, we become extremely anatomy heavy, right? And and a lot of the physiology kind of gets lost, and and um, and I think that we need to make sure that the we we keep the physiology in A and P, and um, and not all of us have big expensive labs with things that we can do. Um, we don't all have the equipment available to us all the time. So being able to use those to really drive home the, the physiology for students, I think is really important. And in A&P two, that really comes like rises to the top because, um, the anatomy is not as, as broad in A&P two as it is, you know, in, in A&P one where you're dealing with the skeleton, for example, and you've got. 206 bones and each of them has five to 10 parts that they're all learning. And, and, um, you know, in, in AP two, you might just be looking at the respiratory system, which the anatomy is, you know, not really that voluminous. Right. And, and we really need to make sure they know how it works. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, now we have four new ones that we're going to be publishing here in the spring. So we've got blood pressure, endocrine, the adaptive immunity, and then also innate immunity. Nice. Of those four, um, which one of the four are you looking the most forward to? Endocrine. Endocrine. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's yeah, it's a popular. One. I would say I would say endocrine um, would be the one that I'm looking most forward most forward to. Yeah. yeah, I would say the consensus from my perspective, you know, in the market, that's a popular one. I think mainly because of how complex. Yeah, you know that system is and important. Uh, important, too, you know, right? it affects everything in your body, and and uh, I think that it's hard. It's it's it's. I wouldn't say hard, but but endocrine labs are not as fun, I guess, and right. not as you know. And so, um, having something that really does uh, really speaks to them for the endocrine system, I think, is important. The other one, I think that you'll love too, and then everyone in the market, it's a. It's not controversial, but it seems like it's a difficult part of every AP book is the immunology. Yeah. And so those two new ones that are going to be on the adaptive and the innate immunity, those are going to be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I, I really think that a lot of people in A&P, a lot of instructors probably really kind of brush over the immune system part exactly. and the immunity stuff. And um, especially in, t- in today's um, climate of vaccines and right. things and people – having really, really sketchy, uh, coming in with very sketchy information on vaccines, I think it's important to make sure that the students understand where the, where the good information comes on vaccines and, right. and that, um, that the, the scientific consensus and how they work and this is what it is and, and being able to really drive home 
the immune system, I think, is, is an important thing for students, especially if they're going to be practitioners. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be a good science-based, evidence-based practitioner, and I think it's important for them to see that. The, the pitch, if you will. So I've often said about the physiology interactives, they're great for students to learn. You talked about assigning them. When you lecture with them, I've always said it will make you look really cool. Yeah, in front of your students. Uh, I know everybody looks cool, but it'll make you look cooler, I should right, say. Right, right. But with the immunology, I think it'll do two things. It'll give you the cool factor for sure. It'll ramp that up. But then I think also, you know, for some of the folks that are maybe adjunct faculty or newer instructors, it'll give you a lot more confidence going into that chapter. I think so. Yeah, yeah. which will be cool. So I'm personally looking forward to it. Yeah, that well, sounds great. Yeah, so I can't wait. Those again, those are going to release here uh, throughout the spring. Uh, those will be available. You can contact myself, um, any of the other staff members here at McGraw Hill, your learning technology representatives. We're here to help all of you guys out. And Steve, I just want to thank you. This has been fun to do just a face to face episode. Yeah, finally, it's always my pleasure. And being in the same room is great. It's it's awesome, and I look forward to having you on more episodes. Uh, you've been a regular here on the Succeed in AP podcast. We do appreciate that. And uh, I think everybody knows how to get a hold of Steve. If you don't, uh, put those out in the show notes. Put those out on the web. Um, just appreciate your time today, Steve. Well, I, I'm, I'm always a pleasure to, to do this. I love talking about A and P. I love talking about teaching A and P. So, um, you know, this is this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure. So we're going to be doing more podcasts. So if you have any ideas. Or suggestions for improvements, please email those along to james.conley, C-O-N-N-E-L-Y at mheducation.com. This is Jim signing off for the Succeed in a &P. It's been a fun episode, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Hope you guys have a great day.